It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. On today's show, we compare Leicester City's squad to their title-winning team. We look at the best transfers in Premier League history and Liverpool. Are they bad champions? Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of A Pod of Two Halves. It is episode 106 and you may be thinking, where are those dulcet tones of Lee Collard gone? Where is he? What's he doing? Well, today he's not here. Let's get it out of the way. Straight up, front and centre, he ain't here. Now, Woods has a theory that Everton lose to Fulham and we lose Lee, right? Is that... That's, that's what my working theory is. And that, for me... That feels right. I mean, look, Man United drew with West Brom, right? You're I'm here. still here. I'm facing up, yeah? I'm doing my bit for the community, the community of pod listeners that we have, okay? Our band of merry men and women that listen to our, that listen to our show every week. And Lee, you let, you let them all down, bruv. You've let them all down. I'm very disappointed in you, but I understand. I understand it can't be easy being an Everton fan sometimes. The highs, the lows... It's a bit too much to take. Well, actually, for Lee, it's been the lows pretty much for all of his life. And now maybe he's got some highs. He's got some... The man who never likes to get his hopes up, he's maybe feeling a little bit optimistic about things. So when something doesn't quite go right, say a Fulham result, maybe it hurts a little bit harder than it would do normally. I mean, they were looking at top four for a moment and and then up rocks Scotty Parker with his uh, West London boys and... Oops. Fulham. Oops. Oops. They've done it again, eh? Exactly. Um, but no, we are, we are back with another episode. Episode 106. Uh, and by and the, the thing is, next week's will be episode 107. Do you see how that works? I have seen how this works. It's, yeah, well, this it's, is it, right? So, it's increasing look, by one each week. It's quite good, isn't it? But no, look, we have, we're missing Lee today. We are sans Lee. However, we do have some exciting things in the pipeline. We will keep you posted. I'm sure when, when we announce things, people, it will be on our social media. Big thank you to everyone that's been interacting with Mr. Woods on Twitter. Uh, we are growing that follower count by the day, which is always good to see. Um, and Woods, 
brings me to you, my friend. How are you? Yeah, not bad, right? You know, it's. I know the dates are different from last week, but it's pretty much the same, right? And this is the thing, right? So, and this is where the pod differs to real life, you see, because whilst I said earlier that today is episode 106 and next week's will be 107, much like in the in the day, you know, today is a Tuesday, tomorrow will be Wednesday, okay? Next Tuesday will be a week on from this Tuesday, but pretty much everything is the same because it's lockdown, yeah? Absolutely. Obviously, that, and that's the difference. The pod evolves, life doesn't. Is that what that's what we get into, right? <laughs> we are still in pause. It feels like we've been in pause now for the best part of twelve months, and still no light at the end of the tunnel for when we're going to be allowed to go about our lives again. Um, am I am I right in thinking that Boris Johnson said that this is the last lockdown? I mean, he wants it to be. Ah, okay. Right? I don't think he can commit to the fact that it won't be because he's, at some point he's going to release the children back into schools and pray. It doesn't blow up in his face. Uh, but as we've seen throughout this pandemic, it is probably going to blow up in his fucking face, isn't it? Um, I don't want to say I feel for him, because I don't. But the situation is tough. That's what I'll put it that way. It is a tough situation. Couldn't have happened to a nicer bloke, you might say. Uh, I mean... I'd probably feel different if it was a nicer bloke trying to do his best, but I don't believe that. Firstly, uh, <laughs> Boris Johnson's a good dude, and also he's not doing his fucking best either. So, you know, like, neither of those things. Um, but one day, one day soon, Mikel, uh, we will be allowed to go out in the sun and uh, we'll be able to share a beer. Uh, probably at the back end of this year, hopefully, um, for, for obvious reasons uh, that we're aware of. Um, but certainly, uh, pro- I don't feel confident about this summer. Let's put it that way, mate. So the worst thing, the, the bad thing about this is, right, is that I shared a picture with you guys on Sunday. Because uh, do, you know yeah. do, you know, do you want to know what I did on Sunday, Mr. Woods, right? Go ahead. Uh, Valentine's Day, obviously, I took the, I, I cooked a lovely, a lovely breakfast, took, uh, took the girlfriend out and we, 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 we discovered a new park that we'd never been to before. Um, it was very nice, very nice park. And on the way back, it was actually quite hot. Okay. So I, I, I could take my, I, I, I didn't, I, I got five yards out of my door and I said, I'm going to take off my denim shirt that I was wearing as like kind of an outer layer. I'm just going to wear a t-shirt, bruv. Yeah, just wear a t-shirt in that lovely sunny Spanish weather. And on the way back, we stopped by a little bar and had a beer in the sun. Hey, how's it like them? <laughs> you know exactly how I felt about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But no, uh, in terms of football, good, my friend. Good for you, buddy. Good for you. Yeah, I, I, I can, I can feel your daggers from here, my friend. <laughs> um, no, look, in all seriousness, look. I, look Obviously, I am with you guys, right? I am in the country. I don't think it would change too much even if I was in the country right now just because at the end of the day, I can't see anyone. No. And it's annoying. It's annoying. I I just want to... If we had a date that I could see see you guys, that I could say, bruv, come to Spain, or I can go, oh, I'm going to go and see my family or my, you know, my friends, that'd be nice. But yeah, it's difficult. It is difficult. But let's move on to more football-related matters because we do have an action-packed show for you today. Like I said, many times we may be sans Lee, but we are, but we are plus 14 on the excitement scale because we've got some good things to talk about. And the first thing that we want to talk about is Leicester City. Now, what year did they win the league? Please refresh my memory. 15-16. 
Now that was fucking ages ago. I want to. I want to make sure that I'm not lying here. I'm pretty sure it's fifteen sixteen, <laughs> but yeah, it it feels like some time ago. Um, obviously, five thousand to one is the famous number that comes up with with that, which I still can't help but feel is a massive fucking error on the part of the bookies for putting that number out there. Um, but yeah, um, they uh, rode the wave of positivity that seemed to be with them and they found themselves as champions at the end of the year a year that Tottenham finished third in a two horse race <laughs> that does that is quite amusing to be fair that will, that will never not be amusing how Spurs did manage to Spursy that up um, but the question is right they're obviously doing pretty well this season um, they are well they're doing better than again one of those things with, with Leicester City is that they do seem to be, you know, dumbfounding critics, dumbfounding opposition fans by just continually doing all right. They're currently third in the Premier League um, on how many points have they got? 46 points. So they're four points clear of Chelsea, having played the same amount of games, level on points of United. Obviously, Man United helped enormously by that drubbing, the 9-0 thrashing of Southampton. Um, but they're doing pretty well. And I think one of the things that will be, you know, it's always a thing of Leicester. And there's kind of the thing with Brendan Rodgers, what is the ceiling of this team? Mm. Um, and I'd like to ask you a few questions, if you, if you don't mind me doing so. You haven't prepared, the, you, you haven't prepared for these questions. I but I'm going to ask you I'm some excited. questions just, off the, just off, off the cuff, if you will. So now... One of, the, one of the aspects we look at, because results can change, uh, the teams you play against can change. But I want to be—I wanted to specifically look at the the personnel involved in the actual Leicester City team. They've obviously got a new manager. Who would you rate as a better manager, Claudio Ranieri or Brendan Rodgers? <clears throat> I I have a special place for Claudio because he was obviously a Chelsea manager. Um, although he didn't deliver anything, and ultimately had an opportunity to be the first manager of the Abramovich era for which he spent an absolute boatload of crash and then found himself crashing out of the the Champions League in the semi-final versus Monaco for a final which we would have played Porto. Um, so, it's, you know, with Claudio, I always do question in my mind just how good of a manager he is. He's a good guy, right? No one doubts that. Claudio Ranieri is one of those, those top geezers. But um, there was a reason why Leicester were odds on to go down the season that he took over and it was because Claudio Ranieri has taken over I think that he I'm trying to remember but just before that he was manager of Greece and he managed to lose to the Faroe Islands or something like this like he'd, he'd <laughs> floundered about post-Chelsea um, disappointing disappointing Brendan Rodgers he's the, he's the better manager of the two um, and I think that you know you can look at his Celtic tenure and go, yeah, but it's Scotland. But ultimately he was able to maintain a level of performance to deliver treble after treble after treble, right? He was able to continue that, that performances. He'll be disappointed that he didn't really get the progression that he would have liked in Europe. But ultimately he has taken Leicester from, I think they were sort of a, a lower mid table team under Claude Puel. And uh, they were struggling a bit when he took over. Um, they should have finished top four last year. They definitely should have. Um, and, and this year they are top three on merit, right? That it's not, it's not just by chance. I think that they're on merit and deservingly so. Um, so yeah, and you know, uh, people did have their reservations about Brendan coming 
come in to to Leicester, but yeah, he's he's definitely the better of the two managers. I agree. Now I've given Brendan Rodgers some stick over the years, um, and now, to be fair, I think I should eat my words a little bit. Uh, thankfully, I'm doing it on a show that Lee isn't here on, which is always always nice to do. Um, I do have reservations about Brendan Rodgers' ability to finish. That's going to be a stigma on him, right? So last year he didn't, right? And they had opportunities down the stretch. They they collapsed. They legitimately collapsed um, down the stretch, which ended with Chelsea and Manchester United benefiting as a result. Um, if they fail to make top four again this season, it starts to become a pattern, right? It's, it becomes a reputation, a stigma attached to him. And sometimes those are difficult to shake, Um so yeah, you know you're right. He he's got to show it this year. They have to finish in the top four at this point. I know that. How did uh, how did that Liverpool season go? Huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think no, the you're most right. Famous one of the mind. Fact, yeah. Let's be clear. I don't count Scotland. I could finish in Scotland for Christ's sake. It's, it's a fair point. They they genuinely had it in their hands after they beat City um, at Anfield. It was there to be done. Do not let this slip now. And somehow they completely capitulated um, in the space of. I think it was basically four days, wasn't it, between the the Chelsea game. Uh, Chelsea turned up in the middle of a Champions League tie and played, uh, God, is it Callas? I think they played at centre-half. Classic Mourinho shithousing his way through that. But Chelsea were pretty poor towards the back end of that season and really Liverpool were heavy favourites going into that. And then obviously the the Liverpool, uh, Palace, um, Cristambul, um, debacle <laughs> which will live long in the memory um, but yeah it's you're right it's it's happened twice third time you know this year if it happens again you have got to start questioning um, you know what is it about getting to squeaky bum time that Brendan can't deal with yes I didn't realise it was my turn to speak <laughs> so uh <laughs> This is why we need, look. You've got to understand here. We haven't got our, our usual host. This is so, <laughs> so we're I was for- also also I should stress. I wasn't looking at the the the, the webcam thing. I was looking at something else entirely. Uh, so I didn't know to look to your, for your eyes to see if you would give me a signal. So I apologise for that. Well, look, we start with the managers. Yes. So let's go to the rest of the team. I'd like to do basically a comparison of units, as it were. Obviously, units, the so. goalkeeper is exactly the fucking same. You say Casper that Schmeichel. now. The person is. Yes. Is but, the okay, is the keeper better? I think the keeper's better. I think Casper yeah, I, I think I think Casper Schmeichel is a, a better goalkeeper now than he was then. And funny enough, the thing with Casper, I feel that because his father was Peter Schmeichel, an all time football great, it actually detracts from his ability as a goalkeeper that uh people sort of downplay how good he is because he's not Peter, right? He is one of the best goalkeepers in the league and he has been really for the last three three years at least, right? Um, and I, I don't ever feel he really gets his dues as a, as a result. It's kind of always, well, he's Peter's son, isn't he, a little bit? Yeah. So, But he's he's excellent um, and I do think he's better now than he was back in uh, 2015-16. Yeah, uh, yeah I, and I mean, there's no point in looking at sub-goalkeepers, so I'm, I'm literally not going to bother. Okay. I couldn't tell you who they were. Is Mark Schwarzer back in 15-16? Um, uh, now it's Danny Ward, uh, Yapkovic, and some guy that I can't pronounce, and I'm not going to try. I, I, I'll say Mark Schwarzer was better because um, he actually won back-to-back championships with two different teams. Yeah, and don't forget Ben Hamer. Yeah, back in the day. 
Exactly, exactly. Right, now looking at the defensive units, um, in 20, well, nowadays, obviously, Justin uh, Soyuncu, still got Morgan on the books, Johnny Evans, uh, Ricardo Pereira, Christian Fuchs, Castagna, Fofana, 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 Uh, and then they've got some other players like, you know, Ben Nelson, Luke Thomas, Daly Campbell, people like that, who we're not going to be talking about, Um, Amati as well. That's their defensive setup now. In the day, it was all 2015-16. Delet Morgan, obviously, when he was not... Well, when he was still at the end of his career, basically, but was pretty solid somehow. He was a solid you know, player back in that year, obviously. Uh, Robert Huth was back, was there as well. Danny Simpson, Liam Moore, uh, Wazzy Luski... Oh, I can never pronounce this guy's name either. Wazzy Luski? I remember him. Christian Fuchs is still there. Big Fuchs is ben, still there. Ben Chilwell was there as well. Was. Uh, Amati was still there. Konchesky was there as well. Fucking I man. would suggest their current defensive crop are much better. Absolutely. Like their back four for the majority of that championship season was Simpson, Morgan, who fuck, fucks <laughs> Fuchs. <laughs> um, you know, Morgan and Hoof as a centre-half partnership, I can't help but feel in my mind. Spoke. It's only five years ago, but they're getting absolutely shredded, right? Yeah. And as a partnership, it just felt kind of thinking back to that season. Like I said, it was a magical season because that somehow worked. They, mm. Like it had no right to work on paper. It really didn't. Like they're, they're plodding players. I wouldn't necessarily say particularly good ball-progressing players either. Uh, but they were very good at what they did, and it just happened to be that teams must have just been playing straight into their hands. At fullback, Simpson and Fuchs aren't better than Pereira and Justin. There's just no way. Uh, the, the, the two players that they've got... In, I mean, Pereira has been missing for quite a, a, a while this season, but he, before his injury, was one of, if not the best performing right back in the league. Um, and then, obviously, Justin, um, he's been a bit of a revelation there, filling in for the departed Ben Chilwell. But at the centre half, you know, Fofana has been a bit of a revelation coming over from France. I would hope he would be for thirty six and a half million pounds. Yeah, he 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 cost a pretty penny, didn't he? But he's he looks a legitimate like yeah. star in the making. So Anchu, I don't think he's hit the heights that he was last year. Um I think he's been a bit erratic, but that's not to say that he's a complete, you know, failure there. Uh and, and Johnny Evans. Johnny Evans always does a job. He's one. I mean, you know him from from Manchester United. I imagine you probably are a bit of feeling that he was a good player to have at Manchester United. He's he's not necessarily world class, but he's a consistent performer, and and, and I think better than people would ever give credit for. I always liked Johnny Evans, but there's always for me he was always a player with a mistake in him, mm. um, uh, and he was always going to be a better player the other side of his thirties than he was early twenties. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, and. I think you're right in saying that I don't think that he is a starting centre-half for a team with Champions League aspirations, if I'm perfectly honest with you. But he's a damn sight better to have in the squad than your Smallings, Jones and Rojos. Yeah. Um, no question. Although we have gotten rid of two of those now. Two shitheads have gone. Okay? One's just Rojo, clinging on, mate. He's just clinging on. There's only on. one clinging on. He's the, he's the big turd around the pan <laughs> that we want to flush away. up. <laughs> He is stinking the place up. He will be going at some point, I'm sure. Um, so yeah, look, I would say their current crop is, is far better than what they had back then. Completely. Going into midfield, obviously these days, uh, Yuri Telemons, James Madison, Albrighton, Harvey Barnes, uh, <laughs> Chowdhury, <laughs> Ndidi, Dennis Pratt, Pratt, 
Pratt. Pratt. It's Pratt, yeah. There we go. Um, and then some other players that I'm not going to talk about because there's no point. Uh, and then that was versus the likes of Danny Drinkwater, Dean Hammond, Matty James, Andy King, Mark Albrighton, Angolo Kante, who is essentially everything. Yes. <laughs> uh, Jeffrey Schlupp, Nathan Dyer, Riyad Mahrez, uh, Gokhan Inler, who I'm not sure played too much, uh, Damari Gray, Ryan Watson, and others et al. So obviously there's two standouts in in that 15-16 team. That is Riyad Mahrez, who was obviously a key Integral mm-hmm. piece. I think he did. He, I think he won Football of the Year that year. I think he did. That, yeah. he, you know, he was magical, and he sort of seemingly came from nowhere uh, to do that. And obviously, um, eventually got his big move to City. And I still think that on his day, he is magical. He's one of those players that uh, just can pull something out of nothing. Um, but Ngolo Kante obviously um, comes in. And in his season at Leicester, um, manages to make a partnership with Drinkwater champions. Like that's ridiculous, really, isn't it? Um, it he was the heart and soul and everything. Uh, that's when the um, X amount—I can't remember—was it the twenty percent of the world is covered by landmass, the rest is covered by Angolo Kante, and all of these sort of things <laughs> kind of were coming out. Um, that he he was just a complete revelation. The pair of them together, though, obviously very important to what they were doing. However, right, that those players that you've listed off um, in their current crop, Harvey Barnes is a legitimate superstar. Uh, he he is excellent. Um, uh, it's, it's, he's going to be the one that they're going to really have to fight to hold on to. I think long term because I think he's got a, a lot of special about him. Um, indeedy. If he'd walk into United's team, he'd walk into Chelsea's team, he'd walk into Liverpool's team. You know, he, he's probably the best pure uh, defence midfield player in the Premier League. Uh, Yuri Tielemann, uh, you know, we spoke before he went to Leicester and when he was on at loan at Leicester that he'd be a good fit for, for Manchester United. Again, he'd be a good fit really for any of the top Premier League teams. Um, and, you know, he could get into some of the other players like Iozzi. He's fine. Jay, well, no, James Madison's an interesting. Oh, one, sorry, though. I've got. You know what? It's because on my list, I've got James Madison standing next to Jamie Vardy up top, which is why I've missed <laughs> him. James Madison. James Madison's a really interesting player right now because I feel for him because I think he's always going to be the odd one out when it comes to England. Um, I just can't see him breaking in when the players in front of him are uh, well, Foden, Grealish and Mason Mount I think all of them probably have the edge over him uh, rightly or wrongly uh, I know there's probably a lot of personal opinion about about those four players um but he's he's he is a um a magic maker in that team right he 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 tends to be the one that uh can unlock a door uh create a moment of magic um whether he meant it or not on on the weekend against Liverpool um is irrelevant he he still sort of kick-started that um, and he's a key piece um, for Brendan, and I think my, as well my, he's 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 clearly completely bought into Brendan Rodgers as well. You see that a lot in his post game, right? His post game press conference, he always talks very highly about the, the adaption that Brendan's made, and you know that's a good sign of a good player manager relationship. Yeah, one thing I would I would ask though is for all the talent the current Leicester City midfield have with, like I said, Tillemans, Madison, Harvey Barnes, and Didi. Are they better 
than Kante and Mares because I will say I prefer Mares at Leicester just because he had a lot more freedom. Yeah, I did. prefer Mares with freedom, if I'm yeah. honest with you. Um, I mean, not to I say take... he's not a bad player at City, um, but Kante. We talk about Ndidi being you know the best pure defensive-minded midfielder in the Premier League. Kante was the best midfielder possibly in the world at that. You know, what I mean, yeah. like it was. Kante at his peak was a different level than Ndidi. I mean, I would suggest on, on here because I actually went man to man a little bit and I've got Kante over Indeedy like, right, like I say okay. I, I well I'll be interested to hear your man to man one after, after <laughs> we finish because obviously we have the strikers left uh, current strikers consist of Perez Iheanacho and Vardy versus fuck me they had loads back then Kramerich Nugent <laughs> Ujoa Ujoa Okazaki. Okazaki and and Vardy yeah um Okazaki. Basically, which version of Jamie Vardy do you want? Jamie Vardy's better now than he was then as well. I think. I think he's. A, I think he's smarter. I think he's wiser. I think his movements better. I think he's now completely automatic in front of goal. Um, like he's matured a lot um, to to being uh, a much more rounded striker. I think. Um, ok- Okazaki did a job for them. You know, he worked hard. He he'd do the dogs work, and you know that Leicester team had a lot of those players that would put in the hard yards to make it work for the Myrises and Vardys to be able to benefit from. Um, this is the thing we, we we shouldn't forget. In terms of the style of play, it's a one eighty because this yeah. Leicester City team that won the league. Um, the reason why Huth and Morgan were able to defend like lions is because they had to, because they literally set up to defend like lions and then give the ball to Mares when they get it back and he will find Vardy on the breakaway. That was basically the tactic. These days, Leicester actually play football um, and they need a multitude of weapons in order to score goals. Yeah, exactly. Um, they, they are sort of chalk and cheese in their approach, aren't they? Um, and there's no shame in that. Like this, the, 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 shouldn't. I don't want to detract too much from a team that won the Premier League, right? In Leicester, they they won the Premier League and they won that legitimately. You can look at that whatever way you want. I I do look at it a little bit that um, at the time it felt like a lot of opposition turned up and they were more than happy to clap Leicester off the pitch at full time. You know that's how it felt to me a little bit. Uh, that they were teams were trying a lot harder against Tottenham than they were against Leicester. Whether that's true or not, you know, that's for the players and etc. to tell you. But I, I remember watching games where opposition fans were applauding Leicester off the pitch. There's no way if Tottenham turn up and win a football match that they were getting applauded off the pitch by opposition fans. You know, it's, it's a, a feel-good story. It man. was. Feel good story. And, and we all rode it. We all bought into it. We all loved it. We all wanted to see Gary Lineker in his underwear. Um, and, and I kind of feel that the, that played a really important part in how that went. Um well, you know, this Leicester team certainly, I think people do like them, but I think people also see them as a legitimate threat. It wouldn't necessarily be a fairy tale quite like it was five years ago. And I don't think they necessarily get the rub, but, you know, man to man. Uh, I think, I think just on that point, hmm. I don't like this Leicester team at all. Um, I have no time for them whatsoever. They're not, they're, they're a nice team to watch. They're, they're aesthetically pleasing. Like I don't, I don't mind them, but I wouldn't say that I like them. Um no. And there's one simple reason for that. Like, I like Jamie Vardy these days. I used to hate the yeah. guy, you know. Um, I, I cannot stand Brendan Rodgers. And when you compare him to Ranieri, who was 
old with his twinkle in his eye. Diddly ding, diddly dong. Yeah. You know, he was a lovely, likable man, and you wanted to see him do well. I have no warm wishes towards Brendan Rodgers whatsoever because he managed Liverpool. He then went and basically won everything in in Scotland for years, and it was just boring as anything. He then screwed over Scotland, which amused me. Came to Leicester. Um, and is he just drives me mad with his ways. He just drives me mad with his ways. I don't like him as a human being. Um, and also, to be honest with you, I'm still undecided about Madison, how I feel about him as well. Yeah, I, I can see why some people would probably find him a bit Marmite. Um, mm. he's, he's, he's clearly a very confident character, right? But, and I think. Sorry, no, well, just on that though, what I would say is that whilst I'm not liking an opposition team is, a, is basically the biggest sign of respect. Yeah, it is a respect thing, right? isn't it? Because like I, there's two reasons you don't like an opposition team. Either they play shithousery garbage football, like your Stokes, your Burnleys, and it's just like, oh, I hate having to watch that shit. Or they are dangerous and yeah. you worry when you face them. And Leicester right now have been that, They're a problem. that team for me. I They're don't like playing them. No, I mean this is it. Like you kind of think about it. Um, Chelsea's local rivals are Fulham, and I'm sitting here on a podcast loving the fact that Fulham are, are going to stay in the Premier League. But they're still Fulham. But if Fulham started to become uh, closer to the level of Leicester, I sure as shit start seeing them as a rival, and wouldn't necessarily be feeling so good about them. Leeds Bielsa come to mind for me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It kind of like it's fun now. But if they do start to get really good, then I'm not going to be so on board with this. You know, yeah. I, I, I completely know what you mean about it, and it, it, it is a fair to say that about about Leicester. But just to kind of quickly go through man to man, I've kind of said who who is better, basically, in my personal opinion. Uh, I've split into four four two. As I said, I shoved Madison next to Vardy just for the purposes of being able to compare. But I've got Schmeichel now, Pereira now. Um, you can have Sancho and Evans or Fofana. I'm having both of those uh, over the centre half. Yeah. Justin now. Barnes now, Tielemans over drink water, obviously, but I'm of having course. Ngala Kante over Ndidi and I'm having Mares over uh, whoever the other midfield player is. That's not James Madison because I've got Madison and Vardy up top and I'm having both of them over Okazaki and Vardy from previously. So you've got Kante and Mares from the championship winning team and I'm taking the rest from, from this current crop, um, which says a lot, you know, excellent. Can't Le- argue. Leicester... Leicester have gone about their business and, and, and taken the opportunity to improve their stock from being a, a relegation-threatened team every year to being a legitimate football club through uh, being champions, but in investing that money that comes with that and the prestige that comes with that to now be a top-tier team. You know, they are a top... Um, well, they're obviously third now, but they're a legitimate top-tier team in the Premier League. And I don't see them going away anytime soon as well. So a credit to them for taking maybe... I don't want to call it fortunate, but this romance, magical moment, but not just resting on their laurels and going, oh, that's fine, and then just dropping away into nothingness. They didn't, they haven't blackburned it. Exactly. It could have quite easily blackburned it, right? It could quite easily have gone, this is wonderful, we're not going to invest anything, and they just plumb it. Uh, now, they did a little bit the following season under Ranieri. It needed some manager to kind of come in and, and arrest that slide a bit. Um, but certainly, like, their investment in playing staff has been really strong and, and um, that's what's seen them to be in a top four team this year and they should have been a top four team last year. And was it, uh, and this is the thing, right? So Jamie Carragher come off mm-hmm. um, and said that Jamie Vardy is the best transfer in Premier League history. Now, I know that you took umbrage with this. 
Yeah, I mean, people people who have listened to this podcast long enough know probably where we are, and 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 we will get to where my thoughts are on that. Um, so what have we done, Mr. Woods? Explain what we have done. Well, because it's because we, we'd like to see what's been spoken about and what's a hot topic. It was a hot topic. It was trending around a little bit. Um, so what we've done is we've gone to look at the top eight teams in the Premier League to look at their best transfers uh, during the Premier League era. So uh, we're not looking at free transfers because that's bullshit, obviously, because um, <laughs> you know, you're talking about value for money. You can't get much better than a good player coming on the free transfer. But taking into account um, multiple things, really, like um, obviously value is a key one. So you're not necessarily just going to go Liverpool Van Dyke just because uh, he's their, their best signing. He was in a very expensive signing. Um but equally, kind of the impact on the team and where that kind of that signing got them to, and where they've gone subsequently, should that player no longer be there as well? So, it's a fun little thing, right? Um, probably no. Well, we don't have a we don't have an independently adjudicated no, judge, right? This is so this, this is, is the issue. We needed we needed Lee. Ideally, we did need Lee. Um, I mean, we could ring him up and read him. <laughs> probably not the best thing to do. Uh, so, <laughs> I suppose what we do is we'll just decide amongst us. I have my picks for each. Yeah. We have yours, but we're probably going to overlap on seven. I anyway. think there's a good chance on some of these we're definitely going to agree on. Um, yeah. Now, so, do you want to start with Leicester? I mean, I want to start with Leicester because I get, I get where Jamie Carragher is coming from. I do because it is a fantastic signing from Fleetwood Town, right? Non-league at the time uh, for a million pounds for Jamie Vardy to come in. However, Leicester City have won one Premier League title, and the season they did it is the one season that N'Golo Kante fielded for that team. Um, 5.6 million, he came in, and I, I I believe if you take Kante out of that team, they just simply don't win the league. It's just as yeah. simple as that. Um, and that's why I basically <laughs> argue that Vardy can't be their best signing. I know that he'll go down as a Premier League legend, rightly so, and everything that's done with it, and he's a Leicester legend, but N'Golo Kante came in, won the league, made them £30 million, went and won another league with Chelsea. Um, it's Kante to me. It is just Kante. Their midfield consisted of Danny Drinkwater. Mm. Um, I just don't, I don't understand how they would have won the ball back to give to Morris, to give to Vardy, to win the league. It just wouldn't have happened. Could you imagine it, like Drinkwater it, it st- st- playing with someone else? I mean, Drinkwater no. playing with Kante managed to get Drinkwater a £35 million transfer to Chelsea. How much was uh, Kante's transfer fee to Chelsea? I think it was 32. <laughs> it cost less. <laughs> uh, mate, it was a weird summer, that one. I remember when that rumour started, I'm pretty sure we were probably talking about it. And I was like, there's no way that's happening. Chelsea aren't spending that on drink water. What the fuck? And then it happened. It's like, I, I still don't understand the mindset there. But yeah, you know, that, this, is, this is what I mean. You take Kante out of there. If you take Vardy out of there equally, you could probably argue the goals aren't going to be there from the other players. And that's fair, but I just think Kante's impact and influence on that team, £5.6 million, dragged from the French League out of sort of nowhere um, to then be put on the world stage for all of us to see and go, holy shit, that is some football. And then go win a World Cup as well. Yeah. So it's in me taking a drink there. Yeah. And I pausing at the right time there. We haven't been doing this for two and a half years, I promise. Um, no, um, I didn't do Leicester. So, yeah, we're, I'll go with Kante, to be honest with you, because I, I did the other teams. <laughs> didn't do Leicester. So, yeah, I, I I can't really disagree when you put it like that, if I'm honest with you. And I know Lee will be sitting there now thinking, oh, fucking hell, they're always just agreeing with each other. Well, you, look, you know what, Lee, if you're here, you could disagree. So, there you go. 
Yeah. You know, we, we we don't cry off when our team loses, right? I was here when it was all going car wreck style with Frank Lampard, all right? I, I took I took the licks, all right? Mate, I've still got Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as manager and I'm still alive. Yeah, yeah. He'll on. still here. Exactly. Um, right, well, let's, should we go with... Well, let's just start with Man United, shall we? It's a good place to start. I've got... Oh, yeah, so Man United, I have two... Uh, I've Ooh. got two for my money, Ooh. okay? I'm interested to know. So, and this is the tricky thing, right? It's either, for me, Eric Cantona, uh, one, signed for 1.2 million from Leeds. Oops. <laughs> Which is just bizarre, isn't it? You know, the whole story about didn't they ring up to try and buy Dennis Irwin? And uh, literally... Yeah, then uh, was like, actually, <laughs> what I'd like to do. <laughs> how, how about this? <laughs> Howard Wilkinson, what the fuck are you doing? He should have just hung up the phone. <laughs> The fact that literally it was a case of, hello, can we have Dennis Irwin? No. Uh, how about give us Eric Cantona? Okay. <laughs> just don't get it. It makes no Madness. sense. It makes no sense. The fact that it's United and Leeds as well yeah. and doing business. It's just utterly bizarre. Um, look, I've got Cantona and Keane. Keane was signed from Nottingham Forest for 3.75. A uh, British transfer record at the time, I believe. Mm. Um, Keane basically won us everything. Eric Cantona changed the club. Yeah. Eric Cantona is the catalyst to everything that we then became for the next 15 years. Eric um, Cantona, like we're starting with basically the best transfer in Premier League history. It just simply <laughs> is like, because you're right. 1.2 million. He comes in. He's the final piece of a jigsaw that launched a dynasty for 20 fucking years. Like you said, he, he came in. He wasn't just a player on the pitch. We know how good he is as a footballer, right? Everyone knows. It's everything that come about him, the whole aura. It just lifted Manchester United from um, kind of where they were pre-Premier uh, League era. Like they were contenders going in. They just couldn't get over the line. He comes in. They get over the line, but not just that. The, the whole club lifts. They start winning doubles. And they become this massive juggernaut at the peak time to do it as well. Because football, when the Premier League started, it, it completely revolutionised. Manchester United happened to be the biggest club at the correct moment to become the biggest club in the world and really without Eric Cantona that just doesn't happen what I think a lot of people don't realise is that dominance in a, uh, over a single sport for a sports team for that period of time isn't common no it's, it's, it's not. not common you know and I think there's a lot of people to be honest myself included growing up who took it for completely well, for granted you would do right but How could you, know? you not? Because everything you kind of know is that, well, yeah, well, we're going to be competitive. We're going to be competitive. And like you say, it's kind of a case that I'm sure that there are people 10, 15 years older than us that may well have been Liverpool fans and were like, well, you know, it's, it's going to keep going. And then they get to like the early 90s and soon as has come in and he's fucking wrecked everything. Um, but yeah, like I, when I see people go, this is the best transfer in Premier League history and it doesn't say the words Eric Cantona, I think you don't fucking know what you're talking about. That, yeah. I, that's Eric just and I like yeah I just signed him on FIFA as well by the way so I am riding all high about, all, a, that, all aboard the Eric train right now the nostalgia yeah I mean the thing with Eric Cantona as well is um, post career he was still everywhere in Nike advertising that's how big Eric Cantona was it was the the fact that it, the, the most genius thing that Nike ever did Nike apologies was having him referee the cage matches oh so good because it's just perfect of him on that microphone and then even when they went onto the boat and he's yeah. still there still and he's still there. incredible just like, kind of cameo roles I, he's basically the talisman of Nike because he was the one like was it, it 66 was a great year for English football yes Eric was, Eric was that's born. the classic that's the one isn't it you know? yeah. 
here's the guy that, again, growing up, like when when he did the kung fu kick, um, deservedly as well, he should have battered that guy. Um, I'll always, I always enjoy watching that. Um, banned for a gazillion years uh, in the all black kit as well. Oh, Sick kit, mate. Oh, Sharp so UCAM. So good. Yeah, good kick. Um, persuaded to stay in the in football, comes back pretty much halfway through 95, 96, comes back on his on his return, scores against... Um, it was against Liverpool, Liverpool wasn't it? Yeah. Um, With the old swing the, on the, the post behind, right? Yep. Yeah. We win the double that year. Eric Cantona scores the goal in the FA Cup final that year against Liverpool, the volley as well. Yeah, we won every back. single game when he came back 1-0 because he was scoring the goals. He is... He retired at 30 as well. Let's not forget about yeah. this. Literally retired before you could argue his peak because there were you know we talk about players I mean like a Wayne Rooney is a perfect perfect example oh he could play he could drop back deeper well it turns out as we discovered over the last five years of his career he could not drop back deeper okay that was not something he could do because he didn't have the fucking vision for it or the brain for it Eric Cantona could have played until he was 38 if he really wanted to he could have played a lot longer because yeah. he wasn't an instinctive player he, early on in his career yes he absolutely relied on a little bit of pace a lot of power but it's the touch it's the vision it's the timing that's the thing those were Eric Cantona's qualities that, that final season for them he, he properly ruled the roost right yeah because that, that was when that, 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 <laughs> yeah, that awful awful shirt um I'll never forget that shirt, right? The one where he scored the chip. Yeah. That, which Brian McClare assisted, by the way. Um, he, um, <laughs> he, uh, my parents asked me, do you want that shirt? I was like, no. It's As a, a kid, a in 1997, your parents asked me, do you want the latest Man United shirt? I literally said, no, I fucking hate you. <laughs> it was a nasty kit, that one, wasn't it? Um, but kind of like, he obviously was an integral part in that group going on to become as dominant as they were afterwards, right? Because Cantona was that first great Fergie team that led into the second great Fergie team, which led into the third great Fergie team, which then led into the um, just piecing enough together to get over the line for that last one. But yeah, I, I, I love Eric Cantona. It may well be because we're kids in the 90s, right? Um, so he probably means a lot more to us, but um, just what a There isn't a footballer alive today that has his aura. The there only isn't. one that comes close is Zlatan. It was Zlatan, right? 100%. Him, Zlatan is the closest and there isn't really anyone kind of on the, the horizon that has that sort of um, uh, presence. Is Like you say, it, it is the word, is it is it. the presence and everything that goes with it. Uh, just a proper magical footballer. That France, so we, France never really t- took uh, took a liking to. It's bizarre, isn't it? Um, that, no. that obviously the, I mean the international team at that time in in ninety six it was going through turmoil anyway because they'd come off the back of uh, the debacle. Do, do you know about how they failed to qualify for ninety four? Go on. So ninety four, France um, only need a draw against Bulgaria to qualify for the World Cup in ninety four. Um, and <laughs> I think it is it Gerard Houllier that might have been manager at the time anyway <laughs> Ginelle is on the pitch and instead of running the clock because it was basically the end of the game oh yes yeah, crosses the ball gives the ball away Bulgaria break up the other end of the score and obviously it's a massive fucking crisis because France have not qualified for the World Cup in 94 and I, I feel like Eric was kind of caught up a little bit in that Um but yeah, the um, it, it's a funny story, that one. Well, would you like to know how Cantona retired from French football? Go ahead. 
I'm, I'm keen to know. So, uh, basically, so he had a match for uh, for Nim, uh, Nims Nimes. I can never pronounce their fucking yeah. name. So he played for before he played for uh, before he played for Leeds. Um, so he threw the ball. I read the remember reading this in a, in a biography of sorts of him. I had when I was a kid. But he threw the ball at the ref, um, and he got uh, put up in front of a disciplinary kind of committee, uh, and was banned for a month. Right, because he threw the ball at the ref, ends up going up to all of the pe- all of the members of the committee in turn and calling them all an idiot one by one. <laughs> uh, he then got the ban was then increased two months, and then he literally announced his retirement from French football. <laughs> it's, wow, that's amazing! That is amazing. That is pure Eric, though, isn't it? Classic Cantona. Classic Cantona. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, that it's clearly Eric Cantona for United. Arsenal was an interesting one. I've gone to Arsenal next now. Uh, intrigued by your selection here because obviously we can't do free transfers otherwise Sol Campbell would, Sol Campbell would be right there wouldn't they yeah um, Arsenal didn't win a Premier League title before this guy and they haven't won one since Thierry Henry no Patrick Vieira Patrick Vieira um, yeah. Patrick Vieira came in and became um, the second best midfielder in the Premier League and arguably you know top He's certainly top five all time. He's arguably second all time. The only one that's um, kind of ahead of him in my mind is Roy Keane. Uh, Patrick Vieira was the heart and soul of a team that um, Wenger assembled that were built on physicality as much as anything. Like You couldn't push that team around and he was a key part in not being pushed around. And um, He was oh, blessed... They did- it helps they inherited that defence. It did, yeah. I mean, Wenger never was able to replace, was he? That was one of his... Stepanov's, Grimandi, yeah. absolute tosh. It certainly was his Achilles heel, but like in Patrick Vieira, um, a wonderful footballer and a player that came in, they win a Premier League, he leaves, and honestly, like they never were able to replace him. Uh, Thierry Henry hung around a few more years um, and they didn't win the Premier League subsequently. I, I know that Terry Henry probably what is he? He was about eleven million pounds, and you know yeah, he's I mean, I've got, one of the uh, greatest players in Premier League history. But I'm coming at a slightly different angle, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I I I went for Henry eleven million pounds, two league, two Premier Leagues, three FA Cups, three Footballers of the Years, two hundred twenty six goals. It's a lot from of goals. A it's a lot of longevity perspective, from a success perspective, and from an image perspective. Um, when Henri was there, uh, obviously, because obviously they had Anelka beforehand. That's how they won the first. The, mm-hmm. They won the first Premier League, right? Anelka Burkamp. Um, Henri comes in, random left winger from from Juventus, having a torrid time. Um, he comes in, takes a while to find his feet, but then he becomes Thierry Henri. He gave that club for me sex appeal. You know, that sounds bizarre. It was him and Perez that were, and and to to an extent, Freddie Lundberg as well. Um, they helped make that team marketable. I don't think Vieira on his own could have done that. And that I went for Henri for that factor. On Arsenal felt like a bigger team because Henri was in it, uh, and because he lifted the profile of the team because he was the um, the face of it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, I completely agree with you that Vieira did all the work. You know, he, he was integral cog in that team and without Vieira maybe they don't do as well um, but for for me Henri was the was the face of that team um, I think £11 million pounds is a snip it was um, I mean obviously it, it, they took advantage of the fact that Juventus hadn't got a fucking clue what they were doing yes um, 
<laughs> it's, it's mad to think they were trying to make him play left wing and um, he ultimately found his feet playing off left and benefited from playing with a player like Dennis Bergkamp at the start of his time there as well obviously a player that's intelligent to play like, I don't think there's really a wrong answer between those two I think it's clear uh, between yeah uh, so there's no wrong answer Vieira comes in uh, an integral piece of um, the power and the, uh, to the spine of that team and, and obviously Thierry Henry comes in and he is the finesse and he is the goals I guess, I guess crucially you could argue that without Henry's goals they're not really winning any of these titles Um one player that you could probably also throw in there, I say it's, it's got to be between those two, is probably Robin Van Persie. I think Robin Van Persie was a, a relatively inexpensive um, acquisition at the time, a young player who um, had terrible dress sense when he arrived. Uh, but ultimately, <laughs> Robin Van Persie's highlight um, it was for Manchester United. So I, I can't, you can't really go, Robin Van Persie was Arsenal's best signing when he's Best He's more of a Man United legend than he is Arsenal. Mate, he is, so. you know, and I, and I know that will upset Arsenal fans, but he legitimately is. Um, so I fucking love that man. I like. I, I genuinely, um, if it's Henri, fine. If it's Vieira, fine. I, I don't think that there's too much to pick between the two. I think that the that those two epitomise what how great that you know Arsenal group was. That that invincible team. Um, a team that is better than than. I'm, I'm happy with leaving it at that for that one. To yeah. be honest, to be. Um, Chelsea next. Um, so I've, <laughs> I have two for this as well. It's one okay. of those ones where, literally, I mean, to be honest, this is for you to decide. It ain't for me to decide. I went for Frank Lampard, 11 million quid, 211 goals. Um, what else can you say about the guy? Yeah. Um, I sat down and tried to think of something clever to annoy Lee because I know Lee's like, you're just going to say Frank Lampard, aren't you? And it's like, oh, I'm going to think of someone. Um, and then you sit down and go, like you say, the goals. And then also you sit down and go, in the two Jose titles, the back-to-backs, and then the Carlo Ancelotti season, he's Chelsea's best player. So how how are you going to say it's anyone like, other than Frank Lampard? Like you, Frank Lampard, the only, the only person you could then um, almost make a case for is Drog because of the finals. Exactly, but, but you broke your transfer record to get him. Yeah, and that was the other thing because it was um, twenty five plus million so that, pounds I yeah. think for Drog. But you know, Franco Zola would come into the, the conversation for obvious reasons with um, heightening the club's um, reputation. I guess I would say with with Zola and those players, but. Frank Lampard is Chelsea's greatest player um, and at £11 million it's not an obscene amount of, of money to pay for someone to come in uh, score 211 goals and, and lift all those titles um, and, and move to Man City so yeah <laughs> sadly he never got a proper farewell and he didn't get one as manager either so it's a <laughs> tricky relationship so what Lampard, the thing was that obviously he didn't get a farewell for Chelsea uh, as manager, as player, as you said, but what he should have done a John Terry and made himself have one as manager, <laughs> right? And then randomly halfway through a game, just sub himself on. Oh, yeah, I registered myself as a player. You know, just just something crazy like that. And then he'd have got it. If he had John Terry's way of thinking, mate, Lampard yeah. would have had that. I was, I was in the stadium when John Terry did that. And I remember sitting there because I could, couldn't see the scoreboard. So I couldn't see how long the clock had been going. And I was talking to the people around me. I was going, what's going on? He can't be injured. Like, it's his last game here. Surely he's going to finish out. And um, 
then someone was like, I think I spoke to you guys at half time. Actually, that's what it was because I couldn't work out what's going on. And you go, no, he got he got subbed off on the twenty sixth minute and gave himself a massive standing ovation. Effectively, it, it was weird because I was also there the year before for the last game of the season when he gave a farewell speech. Then, so I've seen two John Terry farewell speeches as well um, as, as a Chelsea fan. Um, John Terry loves a bit of self promotion, doesn't he? Yeah, that's uh, uh, very it's him. Not John Terry, even though he could, what, he come from West Ham, did he? Uh, well, I mean, he, he was an he was an academy player, yeah. so like, um, fortunately, he wouldn't even, he wouldn't be in the conversation anyway. No, well, it's Frank Lampard. Yes, there we go. Uh, now we've got an interesting one with Liverpool. So I may have one that you haven't. I don't know if you're going to have this player. Basically, I struggled to Liverpool until I eureka it, and I was like, of course it's this guy. There's literally no one else it can actually be. All right. I have a player that they signed for 8.5 million and sold for 142. We're thinking uh, on the same wavelength, mate. And without him, they don't get Van Dyke, they don't, they get, don't Alisson, get Alisson, and they don't, and they don't, don't get any of their current success. Yeah. It's Philip Coutinho. It is Philip Coutinho. It's absolutely <laughs> Philip. I'm, I'm glad that we're on the same wavelength here because I, I sat down for a moment, I was trying to think through, I'm <laughs> yes. like, well, it can't be any of the guys that kind of came through in the 90s and early 2000s. It just can't be. Um, could it- you mean with their huge trophy cabinets? <laughs> And then he's kind of like think, well, Andy Robertson's been pretty good. And then, then I had the eureka moment. It's like it's Philip Coutinho, isn't it? It's got to be because, like I said, was it eight eight million they picked eight point five million off the scrap heap from from Inter Milan? Uh, yeah. Took the piss out of Barcelona and went and basically signed integral pieces. You cannot understate how important the two pieces that were picked up in Alisson and Van Dijk to what they were able to do subsequently in winning the Champions League and the Premier League um, yeah it's, it's Philippe Coutinho yeah that's it that's all we have to say on the matter yeah. uh, so let's move on uh, we've got now good Everton so look, there's only really one you can have here I think yeah I, I don't I've know got, if we're on the I've same got Tim though I don't have Tim Cahill oh so I've got Tim Cahill because he signed for one and a half million pounds from Millwall I want to say um, yeah. bagged a load of goals did a lot of punching of corner flags um this is tough mate by the way because because i haven't got anything to pin on success that's well, this the problem and this is the problem when you get to a team like Everton. Is it Dun- duncan ferguson would be the other one but i didn't want to give lee the satisfaction <laughs> well i went for seamus coleman because he cost oh, 60 grand that's the one you're right 60 grand yes. over 300 games and without him tony hibbert plays more so i completely forgot about him. you're 100 right it is Seamus Coleman, 60 grand. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a pretty good fee. And like I said, and the thing is, in the Premier League era, fullbacks are difficult to find. Um, yeah. Tim Cahill was a fantastic player for Everton. Um, he was. Weirdly scored headers. Always annoyed me that he's so small. Yeah. I remember him beating Ferdinand in the air once, and it aggravated me a lot, like too much. He could you know? get off the ground. Um, he, he scored a wonderful goal in the World Cup, right? Mm. Yeah. yeah, I saw a, a really fun YouTube video the other day of, uh, I say fun, like what the fuck, videos aren't fun, they just, they they waste time. I wasted time watching a YouTube video the other day, is what I should have said. <laughs> it was um, Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, one of his big leaps, you know, obviously he's a mad header of the ball, he gets yeah. incredibly high. Yeah. They the stuck up. Wall. They stuck up uh, in uh, in London the the ball how high it was actually and Ronaldo yeah. and see if people can actually head it. It's fucking and ridiculous. It took mate. basically this seven foot guy, this absolute freak of nature, to come and do it to get the money. But like you can't get near him. I can't believe that he jumped that high. 
well, Cristiano it's only Ronaldo. When you put it, yeah, it's only when yeah. you see it in a real life setting actually how high this is. I think Serena Williams like... can. <laughs> oh. Husband was busy wearing a fucking t-shirt. I swear he must have listened to this podcast. <laughs> but, uh, what, is that, what did the husband do? Oh, he had a t-shirt saying greatest female athlete and then had af- a female crossed out. And I'm like, oh, guys, I'm like... <sighs> anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Nonsense. Um, look, I, I wanted to, can, 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 can we quickly talk about Duncan Ferguson? I feel like because Lee's on. not here, he can't like duck in and try and defend this but um i went on duncan ferguson's um <laughs> wikipedia profile i found a photo of of him uh, talking to hammers and pondered what he could be talking to him about and then i was like you know what he's probably talking to him about his hijinks as a young man in, in glasgow um <laughs> such as um how he got himself in trouble um so i i'm missing the first part but the first incident led to a hundred percent a hundred pound fine for headbutting a policeman <laughs> Which is the most Glasgow sentence ever read. Um, and a £25 for breach of peace. Well, uh, yeah, and while a second resulted in a £200 fine for punching and kicking a supporter on crutches, <laughs> he was sentenced to a year's probation for a third offence uh, for in the 1994. On the field, headbutting, he received a three-month jail sentence uh, for assault. Uh, Duncan Ferguson is a very rare breed, right? Proper, proper rare breed. Like a genuine, terrifying human being as well. Because uh, what it was is obviously he, he's famously... Who the fuck breaks into Duncan Ferguson's house? Crazy people. Uh, so Duncan Ferguson famously uh, beat the shit out of people that broke into his house to the extent that people were in hospital as a result of this uh so yeah duncan ferguson lee collard's hero um certainly an interesting role model it's the throttling right who did he throttle again oh who did he throttle lee's screaming right now like it was oh, this furious. uh duncan I'm, t- I'm typing in duncan ferguson throttle <laughs> careful <laughs> what comes up here was it stefan freud Oh, it was. It was Stefan Freund, wasn't it? I can't find it. I'm pretty sure you're right. It was Stefan Freund. Oh, it was Stefan Freund, yeah. Yeah. Roy Keane... I just got a quote from Roy Keane from 2014 about Duncan Ferguson. I used to stay away from him. <laughs> perfectly summation, right? It is a perfect... Like, have you seen also the video of Jimmy Bullard like, looking at him? And he's like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Duncan Ferguson's a terrifying man. Like, proper, a real terrifying, proper terrifying man. Jesus. Um, but side note, Roy Keane on Instagram buys. Yeah, all of the buys. The most unlikely thing that's happened this year. Like, everyone's like, oh, 2020 is such a mad year. It's so unpredictable. Boff. <laughs> Roy Keane's on Instagram. is like, what the fuck? I'm all, my favourite thing is Man United desperately trying to cosy up to him in the comments. Oh, are they? This. So he's only posted like twice, right? On both of them, because I've obviously followed Man United, they're yeah. in there like trying to be all friendly and like, hey, hey Roy, Roy, how's it going? Be, be nice about our goalkeeper, Roy. <laughs> so, ah, oh, it's pathetic, isn't it? Absolutely pathetic. Um, yeah, look, that's Everton. I think, what, should we go Coleman? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, let's yeah, go yeah, Shame's Coleman. Um, then we have... <laughs> Gareth, uh, I've said Gareth Spurs here, which gives it away. It's Gareth Bale... 
Right. So yeah, you know, Spurs is a difficult one, much like Everton because they won fuck all. Um, yeah, this is it. So I literally went down the Liverpool method: signed for five million, sold for eighty-five million. They spent the results of that on a load of shit. Um, but you know, what can you do? I so I, there was three players I had listed. Bale was top of that list. Um, Ericsson was eleven million euros, I think, uh, which yeah. is good business. Good player. Um, you know, he was good for them. There's a reason why no other team wanted him, though, because he was at Ajax for a long time. He was. And he was highly rated for a long time with no one. At 11 million, no one biting. Uh, I think we'll find out that Ericsson is a player that can only play for a team like Spurs. Read it's into not, that, that what, you, it's what not you will. gone well in, in Milan, has it? Um, and oh, then the other one is... the last-minute free kick. Oh, it's amazing. No, no, it's still Christian Ericsson. The mentality of a sponge. Yeah, I mean, the Spurs documentary really highlighted that this is a difficult person. I, I just couldn't see Jose getting along with that mentality, you know. No. It was a very Spurs mentality. Uh, Loris was the other one, uh, for, I think 10 million euros, which when you think of the longevity of him at the club, um, top-level goalkeeper for a fair amount of time of that. I, I don't believe he's ever been as good as what some people say he is. I always feel that there's an error in him. But like Gareth Bale did win, I think, it twice player of the year. And like you say, subsequently went and won everything on the continent and came back and, and played and he, golf. And he also gave them Spurs' first involvement in the Champions League in terms of their, like, when he scored the goals in the San Siro, yeah. that was kind of like... Coming out past Spurs fans, I knew it was like, that's the most excited they've ever been. You know what I mean? Obviously, they got to the final under Poch, but I ain't putting Lucas Moura on this. So, you know... The other away. one that I wanted to put in but I couldn't because it wasn't a transfer is, is Klinsman now not the first time but when he came back on loan to save them from getting relegated yeah yeah. but it was a loan so I couldn't put it on uh, but yeah he, he obviously was Jurgen Klinsman uh, was a key player in keeping them in the Premier League that season yeah I mean this is the thing is the issue is that it's very telling that Man United's best piece of business was in the 90s yes. and basically everyone out that Chelsea's and Arsenal's are in that early kind of period. Early 2000s, yeah. Everyone else is just like <laughs> scraping the barrel here, chaps. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> it's been well, there we go. Years. I mean, like, there's... Do well, you, do you have any other teams? City. Who? Are we? Oh, yeah, we are missing City. Okay, yeah. So, let's go. All right, there's only one for this as well. It's Vincent Company. It's Vincent Company. Uh, signed Seven for million six million. Points. Six million. 360 games, four league titles, two FA Cups, four league cups. It's Vincent Company. It is Vincent Company, um, <laughs> who had a very good send-off with that goal against Leicester, I want to say, which ultimately cemented the title going back to the empty hat. Um, yeah, the empty uh, hat. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've never heard that before. It's, it's required, what, the best part of 200 million to replace him? Yeah. So, so that probably is is probably a, a fair statement to show like how his quality was. I think for a time he was the premier centre half in the league. Um, yeah, he'll be one that probably, much like Yaya Toure, won't ever get the due respect that he's probably earned. Um, City players, I do feel, are going to be those players that maybe don't get recognised as much as they should because he he is um, top top tier. Right, he's he's in the top five centre-halves easily in the league and you could certainly make an argument for him being number one even you know that's how good he was yeah Vincent Company Rolls-Royce of a defender um, top top geezer as well by all accounts yeah, that's, that's, and that's the key like his I think his um, his personality you know dressing room leadership 
Um, that I, and, and the thing is, well, with, with Vincent Company, he gets the sounds fucking pathetic to say he gets the club. Yeah, you know I mean, he get he gets the club, which is really important, and uh, fans gravitate towards that. He's the captain. He was a bargain. He was world fucking class. Um, won a lot of trophies. Can't argue with it. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely him. I know that you could probably throw Aguero in, but he was um, what forty million pounds. Um, this is you said with the other players and. Uh, Yaya as well could be in the conversation. I can't think at the top of my head how much they pay for Yaya, but like it's Vincent Company, and I don't really think there's much. Like he scored, bearing in mind how good he was a defender, he scored important goals in crunch time. Like people talk about the clutch gene and, and, and Michael Jordan hitting. Like he scored that header against Manchester United, which won them that title. Yeah. Let's so, not talk about that anymore. No. And instead, let's talk about something more fun. <laughs> yes. And that is the question I'm going to pose to you, Mr. Woods. This is our final segment of the day. Uh, I'm still deciding whether I'm going to do predictions or not because I ain't writing anything down, bro. We might as well run through them, but <laughs> might as well run yeah, through nothing's it, yeah. getting written down. Uh, as Lee's forfeit for uh, not being on the show today, he can listen, he can listen to, this to the show and write, and write them, down. them down. Yeah, exactly. Although he's about to get 100% this week. <laughs> yeah. Um, the last question for you is a very, very simple question, and that is Liverpool FC, are they bad champions? So obviously this is coming off the back of Roy Keane I, and I swear Roy Keane's done this just to take a shot and that's what Roy Keane gets paid for and I love it, right? I love Roy Keane in that Sky Studio because that's all he does. He takes shots at people and because he's Roy Keane, you can't tell if he's joking or not because he's just Roy Keane at all times. I feel at this moment it's probably a little harsh to kind of say they're bad champions mainly because I've seen bad champions um, as a Chelsea fan I my one season where I had the opportunity when I was living in London to go uh, to all the home games was the year where we finished 10th and Mourinho was sacked when we were 16th um, they were bad champions the following year uh, was when Leicester won the league they were bad champions you know they are legitimately poor teams in terms of defending their league there's no doubt about it disappointing right and I see a lot of similarities between um, this Liverpool capitulation, we'll say, um, and the Conte second season, right? There's a lot of similarities that they were contenders early. They were there and then the new year came and it has sort of completely dropped off. Now, there was different reasons at play here. I'm not I'm not fully sure what's happened with Liverpool because it's not just um, the results. Their form is bad. They're not playing well. That's, that's a key thing. They're not getting the points because they don't deserve to get points. With Chelsea, it's because Conte was basically setting fire to everything, including, and obviously with the Diego Costa situation was blowing up as well. No, that's wrong. That had already been sorted. That was the year before. Um, but Conte is basically setting fire to everything at this point, And that's why it was going horribly wrong. Liverpool have, well, we've got 14 games left this season to salvage themselves from it be, them being bad champions, right? Um, if they finish outside the top four, 100% they're bad champions, right? There's no excuse for a team that were heralded as the best Premier League team in history to go from winning the league to falling outside of the top four because they've lost a centre-half. Now, I know it's a big blow. You as a Manchester United fan know this, right? This is what came out subsequently because obviously Roy Keane took his shots and then everyone got out of the Roy Keane book and he was like, it was a big blow losing Rio Ferdinand for the run-in. Um, now, I believe that was Arsenal's invincible year. And I believe that was also the first year that Chelsea spent 200 million. Um, there are other reasons why Manchester United fell back. They were falling back naturally anyway because that team was starting to go through a cycle at that point, I believe. Um, so you can't kind of fully look at it um, in all fairness. 
but I get what they're saying. But Manchester United, I think, finished third that season. So, and that's as low as they finished in any sort of time, I think, during that Roy Keane era, mm. I, I believe. Um, so they finished top four, crucially. If Liverpool don't finish top four, I, I do believe it's that they've been poor champions. I think that it's disappointing. It, I think they're disappointing champions. I'd certainly say that because they, they, they came a moment which I I bought fully into was when I thought they got back into it when City were miles off. I think City, they, they put something up when Spurs beat City in November. They were 10th or something, City. So like, they had a head start on this group and they beat the breaks off Palace and since then, nothing. Um, it's a disappointing that, result that we drew them. That's how I feel about it in yeah. hindsight. yeah. Yeah, and you know, in many ways, I think you kind of look at the response from Carragher. Um, he'd also say that is a poor result, which says a lot about them being poor champions, doesn't it? When you're like, well, Manchester United, who everyone's saying are not capable of winning the league, should be going to Anfield and winning. So how are you going to tell us that they're anything but poor champions? Um, it's, I, I, the, 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 sorry, the number of excuses that I'm hearing for Liverpool not performing to the heights that they were before um, is nauseating, quite frankly. Um, and I've never, I've never heard ever a laundry list of excuses this long and this just fucking obscene for anything in football in my life. Um, yeah. And it's coming from Liverpool apologists and they're deflecting. That's how I'm reading into it. Um, look, there are some legitimate things. I think the the, the personal issues going on with Klopp, um, which again, you know, best wishes to him, yeah, absolutely. his family. You know, like it's not people do forget these people are human beings. Yeah, um, you, it, it, it's very easy to forget that, isn't it? No, yeah, it I'm right. So, like you know, that will affect that. Will, of course, it will. Um, what? And that, but then I'm also hearing about this. Oh, COVID. Everyone else is dealing with that as well. That's yeah. literally how everyone is dealing with the same thing. Okay? Absolutely right. It's not just you. Oh, it's this the pressing system. Oh, they get tired. Don't employ the pressing system then. Get yeah, a plan B. This, the, like, that's literally your fault. This is the product of what you've been doing. Like you can't you can't go and set fire to the house and then after it's after it's you know everything's burned. Go. Oh, I've got nowhere to sleep. Because <laughs> you set fire to the house. That's literally what. Yeah, you know, and that, that just drives me utterly mad. For me, I I take away the excuses. Take away. Oh, we've got injuries. Oh, this and that. And oh, our new Diego Jota. He got injured as well. And oh, this our new Thiago. He's actually shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he wins the passing every week. I've heard. I do like. I love Thiago. Watching, Mate, but I I I I love watching him uh, in Bayern. I don't know what's happened to this footballer. Um, fish out of water right now. Doesn't fit the system whatsoever, he does, not, does, does he? he? And he looks like he's struggling for confidence as well. Because well, I swear, as soon as he came on, if for his debut and gave away a penalty, it's like, oh. Well, this is <laughs> this is fast. This is, <laughs> this game so fast. Can people well, slow down a bit? I've got there to finesse go. some saying, passes. All I'm saying is, it's that, it's that, it's that, it's that German league, bro. He's in the back. Of, I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm experiencing it now with Timo Werner, aren't I? And then Kai Havertz, <laughs> and I'm sitting here going, "Oh, we need to get Erling Haaland." And I'm like, in the back of my mind, I'm like, "Yeah, but Bundesliga tax." 
Well, it turns out Lewandowski's shit. Uh, you know, <laughs> he wouldn't have come at Blackburn if he made the move, mate. <laughs> no. Oh, my God. But what I'm seeing, the big thing, and I raised it on the show last week, is that like, take away all these excuses, take away the injuries, take away their shoddy signings, take away personal, in, personal issues, take away tiredness, take away COVID, take away everything that I'm hearing as deflections. The players look like they don't have to that, it feels like they don't think they have to try anymore it's a they bought into the hype yeah that, I, and I, I said this where the 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 run in last year when they then when they won it because they actually won it with a little bit to go right i was reading it i was seeing interviews post-game interviews with the likes of trent alexander arnold and andrew robertson there was a there was a real air of um there's a real air of arrogance and cockiness to how they were coming across yeah. Um, and there's a difference between being confident in sport. Like you would never hear Roy King come out after a game when he was a player, and you'd never accuse him of arrogance. But you 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 would say he's a he's confident and he, and he expects. Yeah. He 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 has standards. I got the feeling with that Liverpool team that there was um, cockiness and arrogance in there that was. Um, how can I say this in the best way? It was kind of baseless. You know what I mean? They don't have the standards, the, the consistent standards to meet that level of cockiness and arrogance they're displaying. When yeah. things are going well, then everything's great, everything's good. But I said to you, I said to you guys at the time, there's going to be a bump in the road at some point. And how do they respond to it? How do they respond? It's exactly the same what we talk about with Lampard, right? Yeah. When there is a, how do you deal with the adversity? And all I'm seeing now from an outsider perspective is the players look like they... I don't have a fucking clue what to do. For damn sure they're not running. For damn sure they're not well, playing well at all. They're making the wrong decisions. Uh, I'm looking at Klopp and again, yeah. so trying to separate personal issues that he's having. He's coming across like a prick. He's coming across as a man who is not in control of what's going on right now. And he can come out and defend rumours that he's leaving on social media and stuff like that. Even when he did that, he came across really spiky, yeah. really unlikable. And there's only so long that this facade of, oh, he's a lovable guy, look how funny he is. Oh, rock and roll football, Gogan pressing, yeah. There's only so long that that image can maintain in a player's mind when you're working with him every day and you know actually what he's like. Because yeah. we've said this for years. There's a mask there. Yeah, right? He ain't this absolutely. guy all the time. You know, no. you don't, you don't, your play, players do not perform to those levels of running and working hard for a nice guy. No. It's not happening. No, it's interesting your point, obviously, on the, on the big time Charlie-isms of um, both fullbacks. I mean, one of them literally released a biography at the age of, what is he, 26, 27? <laughs> off, the, off, the, off the back of winning. Like, and could you imagine Fergie's reaction had some of your players at that age off the back of winning their first Premier League been launching books. It would have been like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, we're not here Dude, to our reaction eight. to us winning stuff was basically any sniff of anything in the dressing room which would meant that players may not be up for it the next season. Yeah. They were getting sold, aka yeah. Dwight York, aka Andy Cole, who were both appearing for Blackburn Rovers like a year later. Yeah. And, and this Do is... Do you know what I mean? Like... It's key. I mean, people... people like <laughs> Frank Lampard um, called him on it. Um, you've only won one title and you've given the big one. And that yeah. was it. They had been given the big one about it. And 
you know, we spoke about it last week, um, and it probably starts to feel a bit pile on. But there is there, there's also we talk about trends um, with with Rogers, but there's a trend with with Klopp um, how things go, and there is an element that these players go hard, go hard, they deliver, they win it, and then it's very difficult for them to get up and go again. And that's where the the, uh, the fine art of what Alex Ferguson was able to do for two decades plus. Um, the, 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 do you know the the thing that I find? Uh, and sorry, I apologise for interrupting, my friend. Go ahead. I, I apologise. Um, the thing that I find funny is that they, because maybe Klopp realises this, right? And not that he's a smart guy. I would be amazed if he didn't realise this. That you can't just grind these players down to dust season after season after season. Where and in the seasons where they've pushed harder than probably any other team in Premier League history to get to where they need to be, right? The, where they finished runners up when they still had ninety odd points, yeah, in the league time. of you know. Uh, I always give them all the props in the world for the effort levels they put in and what they managed to deliver. However, you can't run the players this much. It physically doesn't work, right? With the demands of the game these days and also the amount of fixtures that people have that, that, that you have to fulfill. Why? They need a plan B. It's obvious, right? Yeah. They need a plan B to, to fall onto when they have issues to face where they can't just outrun an opponent be it tactically or be it because they just physically can't. So they buy Tiago. But Tiago is like 30. And he ain't going to, and he's not, doesn't look to be adapting too well to this Premier League. And they and they haven't bought other players around him that can fit that system at all, or fit a Tiago. So what was the point of buying him? Yeah. Unless you're, do you know what I mean? I, there was some, there's something about that. When they bought Thiago in, it was like, oh, fuck, now they've got another string to their bow. They can actually play some football. Yeah. Forgetting about the fact they've got no one else in that team that can play football. Yeah, because in, in the style that Thiago no, I, I completely agree. They're not a possession-based team. They, they don't no, knock the ball around. They're, they're very much vertical lines, which is why they were successful. But when you get a player who wants to kind of control and keep and kind of create space by retaining possession, he doesn't fit into that. He'd fit into that in Chelsea. That's what Chelsea kind of do. They're, they're very much a kind of retain possession um, Man City retain possession um, he, he does look like a square peg out there and I feel for him um, but is it a feeling that they brought him in with the expectation that just putting him in the middle the team would change into a possession based team again it's something that I'd, I'd, I'd be interested to know you know how keen was Klopp because Klopp's is Klopp's system he knows players that will fit into that system right He's not buying the players, as far as I'm aware. He didn't want Mo Salah, for example. He wanted, I think, Julian Brandt. Um, so he's got a vision of players that he wants. I think that Thiago was riding a high. He was exceptional for Bayern Munich last season. He'd just come off the back of winning the European Cup. He had a one-year left. Free. Yeah. And they could get him at a good price, right? That was the, oh, yeah, that was no, the key well, thing. How much was he? Uh, well, it wasn't a lot. They got him on a good deal because he had one year yeah, left, right? right. It wasn't free. Um, so... This is kind of, I think, where the mentality is. And that's Liverpool's problem is that whilst they've got owners that are effectively backing a manager by this approach, they're going to find it really tough to compete with Man City, who have got an equally as elite football manager, but with bottomless pockets basically it's it's um which is wouldn't be a good thing because your money be falling out of the bottom of them but you get my point <laughs> blank checkbook they will go yeah. with that one um so it's it is a 
it's a tricky situation, which is why I do think Klopp will walk because um, I think it'll get to a point where this summer he'll go, okay, we see what happens when you don't basically back me correctly and you don't give me what I need. Now we need to go again and go, and they're going to turn around and go, right, Jurgen, but we don't have the money for that um, unless you sell players. Because you're right, they don't have a plan B. Because plan B for Firmino is Divokarigi. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, can you imagine? They, it's incredible to think that a team that won the Premier League last year had a backup striker, Divokarigi. Like, you think about the players that even, you know, Manchester United have between uh, Cavani, um, Martial, and even Greenwood can play in there. Every single one of them a million times over Divock Origi. This is the problem. Their depth is fucked. And like you say, he's run those players into the ground. Um, and they're just not given enough. Now, it's interesting you do say a point about, because Klopp's obviously going through some personal stuff. Um, and like I say, I hope the best for him and everything that goes with it is obviously really tough. Um, why the fuck aren't the players going out there and basically like trying harder? You know what I mean? Like, Why are they not doing more? Uh, maybe I'm being a bit unfair, but I kind of feel that a bit that, they say, I don't see the same energy levels. I don't see the same pressing. And I, I kind of find it surprising that if you, a man that's, that, that you clearly have a, a, an affinity towards, a, a love towards, like he's going through hell right now and you're like not putting the effort levels in. How's my book selling? Yeah, how's those book sales? Um, actually, Andy, Dude, no one gives Alexander, a fuck about your life. Alexander Arnold right now is playing like it does for England, which tells you everything you need to know. Because for England, they play under a manager that I don't think any of them really respect. They no. like Gareth Southgate, yeah. but I don't think they really respect him from a managerial perspective. That's what Alexander Arnold plays like. That guy better not playing, start. Now right he's back. playing like that under under Klopp. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, it's a it's an interesting. Like I guess to summarise, where my point is, they're certainly disappointing champions. No two ways about it. Come back to me in fourteen games, and I'll tell you if they're dis- that they're bad champions or not. Um, it really is how they recover from here, right? I it, think they're bad champions regardless at the moment. But again, at the moment, right? Say they, no, but this, no, but this is the thing. Like, the only, the only way that realistically they're going to now get top four, get top two, you know, be, be up there, it's have a respectable a, a league run, finish, right. is if A, they go on a run, and B, everyone else collapses. Yeah. That's a I said one. to you last year that Man United... Um, it feels a bit hollow because because Leicester, Leicester should have got yeah. top four and it didn't feel like an achievement us getting top four really it was nice to get top four but it didn't feel like too much of an achievement because it's like uh, we didn't really get here on our own merit it's because everyone else fucked it and for I, I cannot call Liverpool's season a success if they have to rely on everyone else fucking it in all honesty um, yeah even if they do manage to turn it around I just it will require a lot of uh, other things going their way. And uh, for me, you make your own luck. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, let's go to predictions. Let's yeah, crack on. Because Woods, I see you're watching another game. Um, I was uh, just checking. The the, so it's one all in Barcelona um, where Messi penalty and Mbappe equalised. Liverpool literally just taking the lead against um, Leipzig um, in some random country because it's not... Oh yeah. So we've got two games on. Uh, it'll be tonight when you guys probably hear this. So Burnley Fulham. That's a that's a big game for Fulham, isn't it? Really, right? I mean, fresh you, off an Everton win. Yeah, they were obviously good. Uh, Josh Madger coming up. He of Sunderland till I die fame. 
a person that I feel like I've, I've got a personal affinity to due to that show. Uh, I was delighted to see that Magimania is running wild. Um, I'm going to take Fulham because um, they have to. I, I, they, they, I think that they're playing better football than, than Burnley right now. It's not an easy place to go, but seven points is the gap now with this game in hand. You get that to four behind Newcastle and the way Newcastle... Uh, by the way, Newcastle were fucking dreadful last night. <laughs> like, I know Chelsea winning great, but like Newcastle didn't even get off the bus. Sounds pretty common, right? To Newcastle. Yeah, Newcastle that's just fans. them. It's weird that Southampton went there and lost, but... Uh, I, Do you I remember guess- when the Longstaff brothers were like the next big thing? Yeah, like United were linked for big money with him and it's like... And then at... Gremlin little Matty Long, Longstar scored against us. Yeah, he's, Horrible. Um, and then he was linked to a bit... Well, he wasn't linked. He was likened to Paul Scholes. Paul Scholes because he's ginger. Oh, fucking hell. Um, I'm going to go for a Burnley win. Chris Wood. Yeah. You know the score by now. I mean, Burnley are probably top four at this point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm basically the, the other Mark Lawrenson. Um, oh, God. I'm sorry, Lee. Lee's not on the show. This is the other reason he's missing the show because he's got to preview Everton Man City. Uh, yeah. City are looking really good. Um, City are going to beat the doors off this lot, aren't they? Um, Friday, we've got Wolves versus Leeds. If you'd asked me Wolves of two years ago versus Leeds now, I'd have said this is going to be a really fun game. However, I was wrong, by the way, uh, with the Arsenal-Leeds result. I was like, it's going to be the most boring game you've ever seen. Turns out there was goals. There was goals. Aubameyang decided to turn up and get a hat-trick. Um... So there you go. Uh, so yeah, I am going to say Leeds for this one. Yeah, Leeds. Uh, I can see that. I just want. I can. I feel they're going to bounce back. I, Leeds always feel like they do. Kind of have a disappointing result, good result, a bit that way. Um, yeah. And Wolves are just uninspiring, aren't they? Let's be honest. For a team, you know, it's it's weird, isn't it? Because I think their players are better than what they're doing. Um, yeah. we, we, you know, people talk about Neto, good player. Uh, is it? Prudence. Yeah, good player. I know they're missing Jimenez. I know that. But Ruben fucking Neves still plays for this team. Like, we've all forgotten about Ruben Neves. Like, but Ruben Neves plays for this team. Um, this, they should certainly be doing better than they're doing this year. Uh, Nuno's not under any pressure. That's interesting right now. Uh, this is a club that I think have bigger ambitions than what they're showing right now. And I think that you may well see itchy trigger fingers come the summer if it doesn't improve from where they are. Yeah. Yeah, um, we'll run. Fuck me, there's so many games to go through. Let's do this quite quickly. I'll name a game. You give me the scores or the winner or the loser. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Uh, right. Southampton, Chelsea. Chelsea, they're in good form. Chelsea. Southampton, absolutely. Patchy at best. Um, um, I believe on next week's show, Lee's going to have a thing of you about this T squared gimmick. Uh, we won't mention <laughs> it here, but just let's note this down. Um, Burnley, West Brom, Burnley, Wood. Uh, West Brom are poor uh, although they should have beaten United um, let's not talk about that it was a did you see Maguire's post game yeah, yeah. It, it was enough for him to be made prick of the week on Football 365 like what was he waffling on about um, he, he's not he's not he's not Manchester United captain material mate he's just not because it was just a ridiculously embarrassing saying they had enough opportunities to win the game I didn't see it I didn't see it did I? You know, I, I thought United were one pace, too easy to play against. Tony Martial, garbage. Like, I, I'm, I'm finished with him, right? I don't know if, if you as a Manchester United fan, but I'm like, you know what? Sell him. 
go get just go get who's Sancho. Gonna, who's and, gonna who's gonna buy him? Uh, I don't care. Someone me, in Germany, he'll have a great time because I, I get the feeling Germany's absolutely awful. Yes, yeah. <laughs> he'll have it'll, space to go and do. It's, his, it's, sell him, sell him to Dortmund. He'll probably go score fifty goals over there. Everyone will go. Oh, look, Man United let him go. They shouldn't let him go. But we'll know the truth. He'll never be good enough. He completely passengered that game. Um, but yeah, um, well, I'm Burnley, West Brom. West Brom are just not good enough to stay in the league. And uh, the second reason Lee isn't on the show today is that following the Man City game, they then have the aforementioned bad champions, Liverpool. At Anfield. Uh, not that they're, they're, obviously there's any home fans there, but um, well, surely they can't lose three in a row. This is the time to do it. Yeah, it is, right? I, yeah. I, I, Liverpool playing, uh, I mean, they both play midweek. In fact, Somehow Liverpool have an extra day rest because Everton plays City. It's going to be interesting to see what team Carlo puts out against City. <laughs> he may well be like, this isn't the game to be worrying about uh, with, yeah. with the Merseyside derby at the weekend. Um, Everton should be up for this. Like you say, they, they should fancy their opportunity, uh, their, their chance to basically do one over, over Liverpool with how poor their form is. It's now or never really for them, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I'm going Everton. You're taking Everton. I'm going to say draw. Um I'm going to say draw Liverpool Tuna up, by the way. In, in okay. Wherever they're playing. I think it's Punching good. themselves out. Uh, by the way, I did say Leipzig are shite, so by the, so if you remember. I mean, you gave them the run around at Old Trafford, didn't you? Um, yeah. And then yeah, went they, out they, to they, them. They, but, yeah. yeah. Uh, Fulham, Sheffield United. Fulham. Yeah, I go Fulham too. Then on Sunday, we've got West Ham Spurs. I can see West Ham winning this. West Ham. <laughs> They're the, yeah. they're the form team. Um, Tottenham show me nothing. They were woeful, uh, really, mm-hmm. against uh, City. They didn't didn't seem to be in the game. Um, it was a harsh penalty, the Hoiberg challenge. Um, it, I was. Really, it was really harsh. I wouldn't have liked to seen it given against my team. And uh, it, it, I mean, we've we've spoken about penalties and these these ticky tacky penalties um, and how many they're being given, and it's ruining the game. That, that fell into that argument. But um, they really didn't turn up other than, I think, a cane free kick. Uh, and obviously, the <laughs> I thought what perfectly surmised the game against Man City was that long punt downfield from Edison that had Davinson Sanchez dancing around on the floor. Oh, God. Um, well, when, when you fall over like that... <sighs> Yeah, you know, shoulder and kind of face first. It's, a, it's into an the interesting turf. one, Davinson Sanchez, because under Pochettino for a time, he looked, he looked like he might have something, but he's been dreadful for them. I don't understand how he's still playing Eric Dyer at centre half as well. <laughs> I, I don't get it. I don't get how he's playing Eric Dyer centre half because he's never going to be a centre half. No. And the worst thing is, the more he plays in there, the more maybe Gareth Southgate's convinced he can do it for England. Oh, God. Which just fills me with dread. Yeah. Oh, God. Maguire and Eric Dyer play centre-half <laughs> together. Jesus <No>. <laughs> Um Yeah, West Ham for me. Yeah, uh, then Ham. we've got Villa, Leicester. That'll be a fun game. That'll be a good football match. Um, mm. Villa, Villa's form has been a bit topsy-turvy recently. Um, but... <sighs> Fucking hell! Um, oh, I'm I'm fencing. I think I'll fence that as well. Um, yeah. They've got a good goalkeeper, Villa. They've probably got the best goalkeeper in the league at the moment. Yeah, I don't think there's any arguing that every every goalkeeper is making mistakes other than him. Yeah. 
So, um, yeah. Uh, then we've got another fun game, Arsenal-Man City. Apparently the I said last week that that will be, uh, you know, the Leeds-Arsenal game, just because Arsenal was so dreadfully boring. But then they went and spanked four past Leeds. Admittedly, not a hard thing to do, because Leeds are very porous at the back. Man City are not. No. So I am just going to go for a very routine 6-0 Manchester, Manchester City game. <laughs> De Bruyne is apparently back for this game. So um, get your Gundogans out of your team. <laughs> it's going to be there's interesting. No, there's no way he's benching Gundogan after this. Uh, after it'll be interesting to see what he's going to do because how do you fit both of them in? I, it, it's people find a way away now, I'm sure um, yeah he'll find a way the guy fit David Silver and, and, and De Bruyne into his team yeah too. someone's got to go though um, don't know who because it well, who's he been playing in there I can't think off the top of my head I may no be, you've lost me I can't even picture the lineup that he had against no uh, maybe he'll shove De Bruyne in the false nine he did that against Chelsea and it was effective so maybe he'll do that yeah that's probably likely isn't it uh, but yeah like there's I think the one thing that we've learned this season is um, we've got a lot of, you know, all the pundits told us uh, this is this is an opportunity. This is a season where anything can happen because of the COVID, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that there's a load of teams that got their hopes up. And what we found out is that there's one world-class team in this Premier League. And then there's a lot of teams that think they're better than they actually are. Um, and I think that Man City are just going to keep proving every time they step onto a football pitch at the moment that they are a class apart and I think they will dismantle Arsenal at the weekend. Yeah, I agree. Um, then we've got a a wonderful game for a Manchester United fan because we're playing Newcastle who are dreadful, horrific, yeah. horrifying. Just it's Manchester United. Dirt. Back to winning ways. Um, I'm not so sure. If I'm honest, I gave the intro saying a confident intro. I'm not sure because... Fundamentally, my friend, I still have no idea if we're any good. I have no idea whether Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is any good. I have no idea whether Marcus Rashford is any good. The only thing that I'm sure of a Man United is that Bruno Fernandes is a good player. And Edison Gavani is a good player. That is literally it. I don't know if Luke Shaw is any good. I don't know if... I know Greenwood can finish, but the rest of his game, I have no idea. I have no idea whether McTominay is any good. I don't know whether Maguire is any good. I don't know whether De Gea is any good. I don't know whether Wan-Bissaka is any good. I have no idea if any of these players are any good. I don't know if the manager is any good. I have no clue. And it's getting boring now, if I'm honest with you. I'm bored of going into a game and going... Who knows? Because I literally don't know every single time we play. It's fucking stupid. It's it's stupid. I said a while ago on the show that consistency is the thing that wins stuff, right? Consistency is a sign of a good team. And we're not consistent. And it's just driving me slowly mad. So I'm going to go for a draw. Newcastle, as I've said, were fucking abysmal against Chelsea. It doesn't matter. Have you seen us defending? Yeah, yeah, I know. But like genuinely... They were fucking abysmal. It's Manchester United. I think that Manchester United may well also put on a fucking show here like they did against Southampton. You know, they had a disappointing result and then they come back and they're just going to basically bust Newcastle apart. I'll go I'll go United too, actually. I, I can't go Newcastle. I can't pull for Newcastle this one. Um, then we'll do Monday's game, I suppose. So we've got Brighton Palace on the Brighton. Monday. Brighton Palace are in fucking free for me. Uh, I'm going to go draw because I can't pull for Brighton, I'm afraid. <laughs> Palace are a mess. They are so lucky that they started the season hot. They've got an interesting summer coming up because um, 
Zaha is a continuing conundrum. Palace look like they have no idea how to score a goal. Yeah. Literally zero ideas. What whatsoever. do you do with Woy? You know, they, they, this is the question. It was going to come to a point. He's an old geezer. What are you going to do with Woy? Separate note completely. I saw I saw the video the other day of um, it was on Instagram and it was just the it was just the video of him the outtake of his, of his interview. Were you taking the piss? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that cracks me up every time. I every time I see that, it cracks me up. Yeah, I, uh... um, it's a tricky one because like realistically, it's his last job. It's his last. It job. is his last job. Um, you know, but. Um, at some point, Palace have got... I mean, the, the thing is, is that I get why they stay with him because there is an element of, well, he seems to be able to continue to keep us up. Um, He's potentially a guy you go to to save you from this, right? Yeah. Like, if you had another team that had, like a West Brom, for example, maybe they could have gone to a Hodgson to, sh- to steady yeah. the ship. Um, the only thing is, if they lose... If they if they sack off Roy... Roy, sorry... Who would you go to? Uh, that's, that is the conundrum, isn't it? That's the issue, isn't it? Where'd that you go? Really the Where'd issue. you go? Because the thing is, is that they, uh, it was Debo, didn't they? They were the team that bought in um, Debo, and obviously yeah. it went dreadfully. Yeah. Uh, and and they'll they'll be very aware that um, you know the last time we tried something interesting, it went horribly wrong. And this is Hughes. why that I, staying, I, I feel for Palace. Yeah, I Mark feel for, I feel for Palace fans a little bit. I do because. They are stuck in catch twenty two with this because, and that's where the ownership will be. Um, is that sure we'd like to be better? We'd love to be better. Everyone wants to be better, but we feel the risk of us trying to be better by getting a new manager in could see us in the championship next season, and we just do not. We cannot afford to do that with everything that obviously comes with being a Premier League team. It's a really sticky situation. You know, when when certain pundits say Palace fans should be happy with Premier League football, yada yada yada, um, they say it really it, it kind of a little bit. Um, it's a little bit of sting in that, to, I think, to Palace fans because I think there is like we're fans, we want to do better, but the truth is, is that. The ownership will certainly be looking at it literally that way. Pa- uh, Paris are free one up. It's Mo- Moise Keane scored. What? what? Mo- Moise Keane has just scored. <laughs> and Bappe's wow. got a pair. And It's been all Paris, mate. It has been all Paris. Um, wow. un- unsurprisingly, Ronald Koeman getting exposed big time in, in Europe. Shock. Uh, this probably cements Messi basically going elsewhere, doesn't it? Um, last 16 yeah. exit. Uh, but yeah, it's a tricky one for Palace. Uh, but they got they're going to have to look at it in the summer, aren't they? They're going to have to. And that was a Crystal Palace roundup by our man of the moment, Mr. Tom Woods. Now what I'm going to do is because I, I imagine Lee's rolling over right now, going "fuck me." This is the longest show I've ever heard in my life. They needed me to be the time producer. Man. Well, where was he? Um, with the where exactly? Where indeed was he? Um, who's your winner of the week, my friend? Josh Madger, as mentioned, Madger Mania <laughs> is running wild. Um, Fulham. Fulham have been a good team this year. Um, they just seem to lack a cutting edge in front of goal, and I'm hopeful that Josh Madger is that cutting edge. Uh, a player, like I said, off the back of the best football documentary ever put together, Sunderland Till I Die. Uh, Josh Madger is finally in the Premier League, and scoring a brace against Everton isn't a bad way to announce yourself. Um, so, yeah, Josh Madger. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I'm going to go for Pep. Yeah, it seems fair. Just because 
I tell you what, mate. I, what I was impressed at the weekend was is that they didn't have Ruben Diaz. Yeah. Um, and they brought in this lesser known um, centre half, um, Amrick Laporte, <laughs> and didn't skip a beat. Incredible. It's funny that, isn't it? It's, it's, it's incredible. Quite, it's quite strange how that happens. Now, look, he has a, unlimited funds to do what he wants, but um, the only way that you win leagues is by winning them. I know it sounds like a dreadfully. No, no, stu- you're right. Like, obvious thing to say but he is doing what he is doing with the resources available to him and he's winning oh no what what, what call the fucking police do you know what I mean like I wish my manager did that because we have unlimited resources as well basically and ideally we should be doing this but we don't um getting get, building a football team a winning football team isn't as easy as just throwing all the money in the world at it. as, as much as it no, seems I know like what you it because quite frankly Man City uh, could have gone and spent however much money on Koulibaly do you know what I mean instead of doing a Ruben Diaz but they went for something a little bit more unproven a little bit younger a little bit more riskier um, and like it or lump it they're, 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 it, it works out well for them Yao Cancelo yeah. being a perfect example of it the fact that he's as you talked about on the show last week, he's mentored Phil Foden. Now no one's crying about if Phil Foden's playing. He is playing and he's looking really fucking good when he does play. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, it's got, for me, it's Pep. Um, who's your loser of the week? Victor Lindelof. <laughs> I, I say it all the time. Guy, The guy is soft and teams pick on him. Um, he is... It's a tough one because I, I saw Neville last night and he's saying that basically the problem is it's the pair of them in many ways because neither is an ideal partner for the uh, the other. And I get this idea that if you stuck him next to Van Dyke, he'd look better. Then again, if I got stuck next to Van Dyke, I would look better too. It's a ridiculous statement in many ways. Victor Lindelof is holding this team back because every time Eric Bailly plays, May United look better. Like I keeper makes less mistakes. Maguire makes less mistakes. Yeah. I feel yeah. that there's probably an element of. Maguire always knowing that this guy is a problem. You spoke about it the other week. It's not like his progressive passing is is worth the fucking hassle that is him getting bullied by centre forwards every week. Because it's it's so visible what happens is that a a physical centre forward will go onto the pitch and go, not standing next to Maguire because he's going to fuck me up for 90 minutes. But this soft touch, I think I'm going to basically give him a nightmare. And I know that a lot of, um, you know, and and rightly so in many ways because... I think there was a goal early this season that United had disallowed for something kind of equivalent in, in terms of the physicality of the, the header. It wasn't a foul. It was a goal, right? I, I don't have any issue with kind of the hand placement or anything when, when the, the striker's basically uh, taken his, his lunch money um, and, yeah. and profited. But I do get why the frustration is because Manchester United had had moments where similar goals have been taken away from that. That goes back to the VAR and, and refereeing the season being just fucking abysmal in terms of the consistency of decisions which needs to be reviewed, which is why we need to go into Europe and buy the best officials as we did talk about last week. But yeah, Victor Lindelof, he, he is holding this team back. Um, Martial's not good enough. Fred's not good enough. But like Victor Lindelof is legitimately a fucking well, problem. Well, you want to go my man Fred? I will say, um, when we don't play Nemanja Matic, Lindelof is exposed more. Mm. Um, that one, that is very noticeable. Um, my, I agree with everything you said, by the way, apart from your slander of passive play. <laughs> Fucking the, the man. Right? You guy. He's a great player. Um, the chump for me is Jose Mourinho. Yeah. Just because, what the fuck is he doing in that club, man? He's literally... 
we all bought into the hype, but look what he did. And also, he's the one that purchased Victor Lindelof. So, <laughs> Jose Mourinho <laughs> purchased him. Like, if Jose Mourinho came to the club now, having never been Man United manager before, Lindelof would last five minutes. Yeah. Yeah, he's the one who bought him. Yeah, baffling. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go Jose. So, that yeah. seems fair, because um, I think it's off him now, isn't it? The, the tag that he's a, a winner... He comes in and installs this. I think it's off, right? The, the, yeah. the shine is off. Um, yeah. You know, he, he, he and did you see? Did you see? Throw on Deli Alley. Go and be a hero, mate. Save my bacon. Yep. There it was, wasn't I it? I fucking called it, mate. I called that. It was, and it he gave happened. Gareth Bale some minutes, and also Gareth Bale started to look like a footballer again. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a novelty, isn't it? It's funny, that, isn't it? Um, yeah, there's the show. An episode where our hearts may be sad because Lee is in it, not in him at the moment, but our minds are expunged because we have dropped footballing knowledge and opinion upon all of you people. Blessing you with that knowledge, right? There you go. I don't even know what I'm saying. We've been doing this for like four hours, it feels like. It's been a moment. Uh, it's been a long one. <laughs> this, this 50, yeah, we spoke about it. We'll do a 50-minute we'll podcast this week. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's 15 minutes left after Paris <laughs> Barcelona game <laughs> it's fine which it's kicked fine. off it's half like an hour after around. we started <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh dear anyway yeah so that's the show you can find us everywhere that you usually do including but not limited to Spotify and iTunes which is the only place people listen to podcasts anyway catch up with what's on social media he's on those tweets Lee now has access to the Instagram account uh, he said he's going to be doing stuff on that I can't wait to see this right I haven't seen anything yet Maybe that's why he skipped the show today, because he's preparing some Instagram stuff. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe Maybe he's doing some sweet edits of players signing for Everton. Like Messi (laughs) signs for Everton, so he's like doing a sweet edit of of Messi in an Everton kit. I hope so. I hope so. But as I said, uh, watch this space. We are looking to get some more exciting things coming up to you in the near future. And yeah, that's the show. Um, Hastel, away you go from me. Wood, do you have anything you'd like to say? Uh not not too much other than the fact that th- next week this time next week Chelsea are playing Atletico Madrid so I'm very aware <laughs> that I want a half an hour podcast next week <laughs> okay and Ariba Dirty <laughs> Sports Social Podcast Network <laughs>